0: Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Azure centric podcast series. This podcast will be available on the usual Azure centric social media on YouTube channel, Facebook page, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Today's podcast is about how subscriptions are so important on your journey to the cloud, in this case to Azure. My name is Marcos Nogueira and I'm the Principal Cloud Solution Architect and also an Azure MVP and MCT for more than 17 years. Today, I had the pleasure to have a special guest, uh, uh, Andrew Lowes. How are you, Andrew?
1: I'm doing fantastic. So as you know, I'm Andrew Lowes of Azure Tracks and I'm really glad to be here with you today. So I'm an Office 365 and Azure Architect and MCT as well. Uh, not as many years as yourself, but uh, I'm learning the ropes. So, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, many uh, migration projects, and I've been lucky enough to work with great people such as yourself over the past years. So, when you asked me to talk about Azure subscriptions with you today, I was really excited because I think a lot of businesses need to learn a little bit more about how they can improve their designs, a kind of what those subscriptions mean, what the different models are, the types of subscriptions. And, you know, as always, these designs lead down the road to improved security. So where do you see us starting off with this conversation? Uh, If somebody was brand new thinking about the subscription model, where would you start them? So first, I think I'm going to start with
0: the definition of a subscription. So subscription is nothing more than an assertive security boundary of a Microsoft Azure. So a more general, granular role-based access control, the, the common RBAC model at the resource group level is also available with a number of built-in roles in this case. So that is one of the things. A subscription additionally forms a billing unit. So these are the basic of what defines a subscription in this case. Do you agree in this case? Uh, Andrew yeah
1: absolutely so I I think of a subscription as a container that holds the resources together so it gives you a space to deploy and consume your Azure resources uh, it's kind of it's it's the container that holds all of those resource groups and then the resource groups can hold other things and uh, you know sometimes you know we see these tenants uh, you know as a consultant, Uh, I should rewind a bit so as a consultant we see many different client tenants over the years and everybody likes to set things up a little bit differently some are very organized Uh, I know mine is probably a little over organized Uh, that's you know the OCD way though right so we like to make sure everything is in its correct place but then you see these other tenants and Sometimes, you know, you, you just have to kind of sit down and have a coffee and just start looking through everything because everything's just kind of Kind of jumbled right in there. Yeah, and it it's these tenants that uh, You know for me, I think the subscription discussion is really valuable for those businesses and you know, It can be something we arrive at uh, quite easily especially uh, recently with such rapid cloud migration during this coronavirus. And, uh, you know, everybody's working from home. Businesses are doing everything they can to get and keep everybody working. And, you know, uh, thinking about organizing it and keeping it clean is not always at the top of the list. It can be a luxury for some companies, for sure. So when we think about these containers, uh, you know, what's the next logical step for you oh uh
0: i don't think we have time for this on this podcast to <laughs> <laughs> so just do that but that's a very good introduction because uh, as i see a subscription is the lowest boundary that you have in in azure so by doing that you have a lot of things that you can put on these lowest boundary on top of this so As I mentioned, the RBAC is one of the ways. I see a lot of uh, designs of subscriptions that they basically following the billing. So if you have, for example, a department that really uh, consumes all of that and you want a simplified billing, then you probably create a subscription only for them. And basically everything that they, they, they resume or they consume on that subscription, it's passing through them. Uh, that's one so, of the ways that I see the users of
1: subscriptions. Um, so th- thinking about the way you've described that, I, I have a question for you. So I'm, I'm going to phrase it like I'm a brand new client to Azure. So if I have multiple departments and I want to create multiple subscriptions, can I just give them separate tenants? Do I give them separate subscriptions? How does that model Look, is it is it 5 tenants with one subscription? Tell me tell me about how that's going to look to somebody who's brand new.
0: Sure. Uh that part is is easy. So one tenant usually you can have as many subscriptions as you want it. Okay? Um and that is the way that you configure. So it's it's more a setting of multiple subscriptions or one subscription for multiple tenants. It's one tenant with multiple subscriptions, because this is the lowest boundary on Azure. But for ab- to be able to create that, you need to create your tenants. Your tenant is usually attached to a Azure AD tenant. Uh, it's either a Microsoft account that you create when you register uh, or when you're starting to use your Azure subscriptions. Um, when you create your subscription, you need to, in order to do that, you need an Azure tenant, in this case, based on Azure AD. So, but this is the way that you have to organize. It's those uh, tenants that you have, that you create, and then you create those Azure subscriptions uh, inside of that tenant, okay? So that's the way, that's the model that you are doing this. Um, and that's the way that you can we, I think we can talk a little bit at the end. Let's cover first the basics is, for example, what type of subscriptions do we have uh, uh, in Azure?
1: And, uh, you know, we have had a, a brief period where Azure Passes were suspended temporarily Uh, But I've I've recently heard through the grapevine that uh, they are back. Uh, So if you're engaging in a training session uh, through Microsoft in the near future, uh, chances are that you will be able to take advantage of an Azure Pass. Of course, the most common one is the pay-as-you-go. What is the Azure Pass? So an Azure Pass would uh, still require you to use uh, a Microsoft account. And it allows you to register for a free uh, you know, X number of dollars. Usually it's like a $100 or a $200 pass. And it gives you an ability to register your tenant and create a subscription within that tenant. And then you can use the credit that's associated with that Azure Pass to do uh, active learning. So, hands-on, you can go in and play, you can create VMs and uh, virtual networks, uh, all kinds of resources that you can consume within Azure and it's all built back to the credit associated with that Azure Pass. So, with
0: Dan's case, it's free, right?
1: Absolutely free. And uh, typically they're associated with a training course or something promotional that you're doing with Microsoft.
0: But you are, you also have an option of if you are not attending a, cor- a, a, a training course, that you can create a free Azure subscription that it doesn't come with the same kind of methodology, but it's a little bit different because you need to just verify that you are a person and not a bot. And that's why you need to put your credit card that they will not charge anything, but just to guarantee that you are a person to use. Uh, Usually, I think last time I checked it, it was $200 for the first month, right?
1: I believe so. Yeah, $200 for a 30 day month. And uh, this is, of course, the pay as you go. And you're right. So for that first 30 days, it's uh, kind of loosely air quoted free with the $200 credit, very similar to the Azure Pass. So you don't have to be registered for anything else. You can just go and get a free uh, Azure pay-as-you-go account and start it up. And at the end of the 30 days, you you have the choice whether you allow that uh, tenant to be shut down and there'll be no billing, or you enable everything and convert it to the full active pay-as-you-go subscription and then you can start to use it for whatever your purposes are. Dev test, production, whatever. Exactly. So, of course, if you're reaching that point at production, I think we should always suggest let's engage a professional architect to come in and help us design, (laughs) if nothing else, some basic security so that we can make sure that things are set up safely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I could not agree with you more, as you can imagine, right? Because we need we need to get our, our our way to just getting a little bit more more work uh, but we have other other option as basically uh i don't know if you agree but i see this as basically uh, three three bigger types an individual one so basically any individual can use azure in this case can create a kind of subscription uh and then um if if i might say um an enterprise one that you can subdivide or if you consider two that is through the cloud solution uh, partner or provider depending on where you are looking at the website and an enterprise agreement but inside of the individual one because that's the part that i think our listeners wants to know a little bit more you have a lot of other options so i know for example as an mvp I have what's called the uh, Azure subscription as a sponsorship. So basically as a student, uh, Microsoft gives you some of those Azure credits that you can use. I know that as an Azure MVP, I get a pretty good credits. I get like a thousand dollars per month that I can use. That is really good for me to just improve my, my learning and all of the new things that Azure is always enhancing. But what other options do you either use or that you know that is, that is available for our listeners?
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. So there's the three categories, the enterprise agreement or EA, the CSP subscription, which we'll get to in a, in a few moments, and uh, the individual or sponsored. So we've talked about Azure Pass. We've talked about pay as you go. And now you're into the Microsoft-sponsored ones, uh, which you can also get under different agreements or purchase, which is the Visual Studio kind of family, right? So we have Visual Studio Professional, which gives us an entry point level into that world. So it's designed very specifically for developers. So this would be a, a person or a smaller team that would be dedicated to going in, creating resources, learning about things. So uh, I would see like a small company using Visual Studio Professional, or uh, perhaps the next level, the Visual Studio Test Professional, and they would use those to go in and do uh, web dev. So they'd be building apps. Uh, They may deploy uh, one or more um, say Nginx VMs, and they may use those to test their app get it ready for production but it's an isolated subscription it's something intended solely to work on their development so that they don't impact what they have currently running in their prod environments Um, of course you know as it professionals we recognize the necessity of separation Uh, but in in a case like this the different levels of the subscriptions uh, give us a, a couple of different spend advantages, right? So uh, I did make myself a bit of a brief note that uh, Visual Studio Professional will give us $70 a month of Azure credit. But on top of that, it also gives you preferred pricing. So uh, myself, if I had my pay-as-you-go tenant, say I was paying $10 for something each month to consume it uh, in the Visual Studio Professional subscription, maybe they pay $850 850 or something like that. Um, I don't know uh, all the exact pricing of different uh, resources within Azure, but they do list that it's given preferred pricing for the development-oriented resources. Yeah, um, and and I think with uh, test professional, it's a it's a higher credit. Um, I think it was like 120 or 130 dollars a month. So each time it, it, with each subscription level, it can notch up a little bit, giving a bit more of an advantage. So if you have a larger team, if you're developing larger products that take yeah. more resources, or you need to use, say, SSD storage for some of your data versus standards tier storage, um, you know the, the costs are, are varied. Uh, so each, each subscription model can give advantage to that dev team.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and there are some other ways that if you are a, a, a starting company that you can, you can use those other subscriptions, for example, through the program of the Beast Spark. Uh, if you are a startup, you can use that to just uh, get those credits, some of those credits that they are crucial for companies that they are starting up. Uh, and they are new to Azure in this case. And, and, and I, couldn't, I could not agree anymore, but the good thing about all of those options that you, that you talk about it, Andrew, was that uh, you have these, there's this monthly base, but if you don't want to go over, what's going to happen those, to those subscriptions? Are they, they, they stop working? What's going to happen? What's going to be the state in this case? of those subscriptions, when you reach that level, if you are not saying, if you don't say that you want to uncheck that box and start using your massive credit cards.
1: <laughs> massive credit card is a good way to describe that, <laughs> right? So we have to think about cost control. Yes. Um, so that that's a whole separate conversation uh, with Azure. Of course, it's a very big topic. And we certainly- could do
0: another podcast about that.
1: I think it should be. Um, It's a really important one. Um, It's one that you know. I think we both deal with uh, clients uh, pretty frequently. You know, everybody's kind of second question after can you fix this that we brought you here for is hey can you also take a think about these costs because I just got the bill and boy is my manager interested in cutting these down a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so it's no different than at home. You know you get your electric bill and you think you know maybe I can turn off another light uh, next time when I'm walking away. Exactly. you know it's the same idea exactly. but you know when it comes uh, when it comes to um, the the Azure subscription models, I think you know when when we look at the advantages we have we have to kind of look to the CSP subscription and i think that's the next logical step for me when we talk about cost control in combination with the subscriptions so this the csp the cloud service provider cloud solution provider depending on uh you know who you ask uh they they offer a little bit more so typically it's like an msp uh, and they're going to be bringing in a team of experts. So they may offer a reduced uh, charge versus your typical pay as you go. They may offer uh, additional services uh, in how their billing cycle runs. Uh, for example, you won't have to pay it uh, looking at the cryptic bill right away, and then you know go through with your Azure translator and try and figure out what the heck that thing was with this big long code. Um, you know, a CSP is there to help provide a bit of a translation for you. So it's a, it's really important if you're going to deal with a CSP that you ask for help with those things as a as a business. Um, it's what they're there to help do for you as well. Yeah. And of course, if we if we hold the official Microsoft line, the CSP is your first line of support. So. When you have an Azure VM that you're having a certain technical challenge with, you should be contacting and going through the the frontline support of your CSP uh, to get help with that. That's the idea of the CSP model. It helps take the load off of the Azure support and moves it more to kind of a behind the scenes model that the CSP can deal with. And they can also help you, Uh, deal with those things uh, as part of an upfront. So you may get a much faster response from a CSP as well. Uh, That's certainly the intention.
0: I I agree. And we've been working on several CSP. I think we share one CSP that we've been working together as well. And one of the things that when I was working with them is to really understand, I like to reinforce that part, the bill, uh, the bill, because sometimes the customers receive that bill and comes very, very optimized, optimize it. But then it's really difficult to understand why I've been charged for that. And, and then it's another way that we can help the customers as well. So I 100% agree with you. CSP is the way to go. Uh, my experience that I have recently is more with the price agreement. So basically it's more with a larger scale uh, organizations uh, that they have... Uh, way bigger seats in this case that the CSP they can have it as well although they have these enterprise agreements this enterprise agreement is composed by different things It's um, it composed by the licensing it's composed by by the number of seats it's composed is usually you doing a 3 years agreement with Microsoft with all of that that includes azure and then with that you have all all other things that you can manage they are a little bit more independent they have this contract with Microsoft, they can use their support and their services as well. Uh, as an ex-Microsoft, I've been working with several of those customers that they, they kind of leverage the knowledge of, of course of Microsoft to achieve that. But in all of those scenarios, right, um, there, there are a different states that subscriptions can have. Al- although those CSP an enterprise agreement they are not into those usually they became only on active but i think it's interesting because another day i was talking to a, a customer of mine that says why my subscription is um, disabled what happened what i did it so my subscription to be disabled so do you know in this case or, or do you have ever been on a situation like that
1: so, I've never had a, a disabled tenant. Um, I did have... Disabled uh,
0: subscription, not tenant. Uh,
1: or disabled disabled subscription. <laughs> disabled tenant would be quite a quite a series of very quick phone calls with a lot of loud voices.
0: <laughs> it's, like, like, it's like loud voices is a very polite and Canadian way to say. Usually, exactly. it's like screaming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there would be some adrenaline and excitement, for sure. For sure. But... Uh I thank you. I did I did have uh, a colleague of mine who had emailed me for some advice. They were having some difficulty accessing their dev test subscription. And as it turned out, uh, the state was kind of caught in a flux uh, between active and disabled. And what had happened is uh, their their uh, MSDN or Visual Studio, Um, subscription had come to an end but they missed somehow the notification emails and it was overlooked in the in the billings and it went into a disabled state on them so uh, it was uh, a little bit of minor excitement uh, for them but it came back and uh, they did have to contact Microsoft and sort out uh, the subscription and their billing uh, but once that was done, I, I believe it was just a handful of minutes and they were able to get into their dev test and resume working for the day. So it was a, you know, a little bit of a minor, maybe go make a nice coffee, yeah. but take your time, come back and it was fixed for their team. So that, it was a very positive outcome, but you raise a good point. There's some There's some different types of states and some of them you can come back from. In fact, most of them you can come back from. But there's one particular one that you can't come back from. And that is the deleted state for a subscription. So uh, what
0: is happened when you delete a subscription? What you did to just delete <laughs> subscription? You didn't like it? What you did, it deployed on Azure and just right click and delete it. And then you want so... to, to, to revert it?
1: <laughs> so if I, if I'm not mistaken here, I believe that uh, the the model that we we kind of follow with the subscriptions is if it's active, you're good to go. If it's disabled, uh, we can we can bring it back. We can enable it and make it active again. But once you delete it, it is gone forever. Okay. And there's no recycle bin for the whole subscription. There's no uh, there's no any of that. So there is some uh, you know, security implications and things like that. And there's so many objects. So, you know, those big long numbers, the GUIDs, that when we delete everything, we may not be able to bring back those same GUIDs back into that subscription again. And that's really going to cause a lot of problems. So, when you think about the, the RBAC as it plays out, accounts, the Azure Active Directory, uh, you know, different things that are tied into those GUIDs. We we lose that once it's deleted and to avoid creating a great big crisis. And, a, a, you know, I think I'll use the word jumble of information. Uh, Microsoft has said from the start with this, that uh, once your subscription is deleted, it's permanent. We have no way to come back from yeah. that. We're very sorry, but that's the by design for lots of different reasons. And I'm sure many more that are very important as well. So I think there's a couple of other states as well. Um, I think of one, uh, you know, quite often in my youth, uh, I had to choose between buying a delicious lager based beverage or paying the electric bill.
0: (laughs) So you're talking about probably the past due one.
1: Yes. So once in a while you get an envelope with the red stamp on it that says, yeah, you're past due. what do, what do we do about that? It happens. Uh, yes. People go on vacation. People uh, come in and leave from companies and maybe a bill gets missed and it doesn't get paid. Yeah. Um, what do you do when that happens? So
0: in this case, on the past due, you can always uh, call Microsoft to resume the, the, and pay the, the bill that you have due. Uh, well, I think what's important over here as well, besides all of these states is what's happening on the subscription when for example they are disabled because uh, as far as i remember we have five states active disabled deleted uh, expired and passed to okay mm-hmm. so there is one that we didn't talk about it that is what the expire one so for example and, and now let's give this scenario you are starting new on azure so when you're starting new on azure you create a new subscription you create a new subscription and then after that, what you're gonna do is you're starting to use those credits. So, for example, those pass credits that you mentioned. So you did the course uh, with one of the MCts, and and in you as a as an MCT as well, you know what I'm talking about. So you are on in class, you get all of that good content, and you get these Azure Pass. You get excited and all of that. So usually, with all of those free subscriptions, it comes with either a pass. Or if you go to the portal and create a, a free subscription it comes with some money on it uh, usually it's uh, to use on the first 30 days but there are some services that you can use for the next 12 24 months that they are still free Some, for example small virtual machines that you can have Uh, with Linux or even with Windows that you can still use it and some past services that you can use it for free. So what happened is, for example, when you pass that time that they give it, the subscription became expired. So that is happening. That is one of the states that happens. What you can do is you can transfer that that, uh, subscription to another model that we already talked about it. So for example, you're coming from the past one or the pay-as-you-go as a death test, for example, and you put the credit card. And now we, those services that should be free, we can make it those as pay-as-you-go. And then automatically doing that, the subscription became active. So when the subscription became active is where you have the full subscription working for you. All of those states is the states that the subscription, it's depending on the state might still working, but you need to do it. So, for example, the example that you give with the past two. So, the past two is the subscription is still active, although you didn't pay the bill. But it's like exactly the same as you describe it. When, you, when we have that bill that we need, we have what's called the grace period. After that grace period, what's happened to that subscription is became disabled. When became disabled, you are not able to use subscription. So all the services became unavailable. You don't lose the data, but if you have VMs, they became deallocated, for example, right? If you are if you have storage accounts, they still be there, but you cannot access into them. So you can still log into the portal, but you cannot starting all of those services until you resolve all of those things to become an active subscription. I think that's for example it's a, it's a good example. All of these states they can uh, they can be impacted into you. I think it's really good for our um, uh, listeners to know what is the state of the subscription and how we can go,
1: right? Mm-hmm. So I have a question for our listeners here. What happens if you have a subscription and it goes into uh, basically an inactive state? So let's say it becomes expired or uh, actually let's just say it's expired. So when that happens, let's say I have a VM running in a production environment. I took my pay as you go first 30 days on day five. I got really excited. I put a production web server in there. And what happens when that becomes an expired subscription? I don't convert it to pay-as-you-go right away. What happens with that VM?
0: So that VM becomes deallocated, as, as, as we mentioned. So only the active is the one that is fully aware of that. And if you are on the past to on the grace period, you are still having your resources working as an active if you are expired you can reactivate for example uh, or if you are disabled you can reactivate your subscription Uh, in this case the example that i give with this uh, free subscription uh, if you reach the point as you uh, get disabled you can reactivate but now as pay as you go so you have that that period that you are using for example and that happens to me i had a a subscription that i i I had um it was a free one i was testing i had some not production because no one have production on on the free subscriptions right um you can you can or they shouldn't in this case i
1: was going to say later on we should mention that uh (laughs) We, we do agree with Microsoft uh, in our, our licensing agreement. When you click yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, of course, you read the full thing, so everybody knows that in there, uh, they do have some words that say you you promise not to put a production load in your test uh, subscription, and uh, you click on go for it. And now you've magically agreed that we don't do that. Yeah. Uh, occasionally it happens. People get excited. Uh, you know, there's some confusion around it. Uh, it, is, it can be a big deal. You know, there's a lot of excitement the first couple of days that you're thinking about moving into a cloud provider. It's a big deal. It is. Uh, for, for you and I, sometimes we forget because we get to work with it on a daily basis. But I love the opportunity when we have someone who's new to cloud environments. And they, ha- they have that excitement and that passion. They want more. They want to figure it out. Uh, but, you know, quite often uh, I, I had a boss who explained to me once that, uh, Andrew, you're like more of a racehorse. You want to put your head down and just run at full speed and go right into it. And it's true. I do have a tendency to be excited about things. I'm very passionate that way. But he said it's better that I have to pull your reins once in a while and slow you down than to have you not being motivated and moving everything forwards. Yeah, And that's really resonated with me over the years. And uh, I, I think that that's true of a lot of people, uh, to be honest, um, even working with you, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we try to balance each other out on a team. And I think you and I do a very good job of that. Uh, but you know, we we get excited and other people get excited, but please, everybody at home, everybody at the office, don't put production in your test tenants don't put production in your 30 day trials <laughs> certainly not with an azure pass and
0: that's a and that's a very good point because when we're talking about this journey to the cloud right usually uh, a lot of organizations they start on that they start to leverage if azure is really for them and they get excited like you mentioned like me and you and we see a lot of these in several other organizations so they starting with this and then they come to a point say oh our subscription is disabled what are we are going to do and now that they start developing on this but now they got a little bit more excited that they promote that workload to a different ty- type of state i don't want to say production but a different more serious type of state <laughs> and then they can say oh what we need to do and that's where for example the good thing that Microsoft have is you are, you are able to transfer the ownership to something greater. So you can start on only any of the individuals, for example, uh, especially the pay-as-you-go, the one that we're talking about with, uh, with the free credits and move that to either a CSP or enterprise agreement or even to a, a pay-as-you-go where you can have the corporate credit cards for example, to just cover those costs. So that transfer ownership is available for anyone that wants to start. It's like you are not locked down to that subscription or to that type of subscription model that you're starting with. So it's it's very flexible. Although it's not something that you can do very easily, usually you need some kind of professional help. Like for example a partner, a Microsoft partner, or even a Csp that you can do that, they can help you do that to just do it. And sometimes they do it by 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 helping you to achieve that. And the only thing that they ask is for to link their their partner ID with your subscription. There is nothing nothing wrong with that. I did that several times and usually they think, oh now they will see Anything that they will, that they will, I will do on my subscription. No, they will not. Uh, Even on a CSP, uh, they will only see the billing. If you don't give, you have the keys of the kingdom. If you don't give access to them, um, it's, they don't know. And I think that's a very good segue for something that we already start talking about that is role based access control. How is that administrative roles are so important on when you design subscription? And I think after that, we can talk about designing models, how you design in this case, what is the tips and tricks that you can give to our listeners that when we design this, um, design the subscriptions, we can give them. But let's talk about administrative roles for now. What? are the things that you like to cover with your customers?
1: <laughs> so I think the you know, I've been working uh, through this kind of uh, coronavirus situation uh, with uh, a lot of uh, very fast migrations and uh, the biggest offender that I see is global administrator privileges. Uh, for the love of Pete, folks, you don't need 35 global admins in your subscription. (laughs) We should be uh, using about, uh, you know, delegated administration and we should be using specific roles uh, under that RBAC model uh, instead of the high level. So when we talk about the most privilege, we also talk about least privilege and least privilege is that specific role so we talk about uh you know an application admin uh you know a vm admin and we give them specific rights to even say a resource group allocation that they're going to be in charge of or we give them uh, even a subset so we can get really granular with security groups and definitions, you can create custom roles in the Azure RBAC schema. Uh, It's a wonderful thing so that we don't have too many cooks in the kitchen. So, uh, you know, too many global administrators. Uh, And I think that it's just so darn critical. And when I talk about administrative roles, uh, I think I also have to talk about multi-factor authentication. is it, It's yes. something that is so easy. <laughs> Sorry, I get very excited about multi-factor because my, Microsoft has you know, recently made uh, MFA free for all users in Azure Active Directory, and it will cost a company nothing uh, to implement it. Uh, it does of course cost uh, a little bit of time and some training for users that are unfamiliar with MFA. But really, if you've been using a cell phone in the last five years, uh, you're probably familiar with some form of multi-factor authentication, receiving a text when you log in, using an app, Microsoft Authenticator, of course, uh, to do uh, your multi-factor tokens or your one-time codes. And it's free, it's pretty darn easy. Enable it and use it. And especially on your admin roles, it should be mandatory. Uh, it can help prevent uh, you know, account compromise and uh, it's it's a big reason why there's a lot of consultants and security field out there yep. convincing everybody to button up these kind of easy wins. And yet uh, I still hear a lot, you know, significant resistance from uh, many clients that I work with uh, over implementing MFA. Um, and to be honest, I would love to just sit with them and walk them through it. Yeah. Uh, put, put them in my own tenant even and do it. Uh, I've been using Microsoft Authenticator for, I don't even know how long anymore. Uh, it seems like it's just always been there. Yeah. Uh, it's second nature. And uh, honestly, you get used to those MFA prompts and it's no big deal.
0: It's not, and it's, it's not. I agree. Yeah. I agree with you. And, and, and one of the things that I like about that is it's increases security so much. Now that we are going with this movement of password uh, passwordless, I think is that the that word. Um, and it's good. But although I have one tip for that, I've been in a situation that for uh, was down or was not available or even was corrupt in this case at that time. And because of that, one of the tips that I, I give regarding these initiative roles, and we can cover another uh, on another podcast, we have already two. To record so it's a good thing that we are have, having these conversations <laughs> because um, one of the things that happens is uh, with one of my customers was uh, the MFA was corrupt don't ask me how they corrupt that but they was corrupt so by having all the global admins with MFA was one of the practice best practice that I learned regarding that and the good thing about about that is is now I did change or not change I did adjust my recommendation to have once global admin or in this case emergency account without MFA without with a very long password, although you need to put some security on it. So for example, monitoring, highly monitoring when anyone is using that account, should alert the other administrators for example and all of those things that we can talk about another podcast about security.
1: I think so yeah that's a whole separate podcast because we'll have to go down the road talking about Microsoft break glass accounts. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but regarding design now that we talk about this we have different ways that we can deploy or that we can create subscriptions. Okay? Particularly depending on the organization that is my opinion, and I want like you, I would like you to comment on that is, uh, and this is my experience is depending on organization. If you're talking on a small kind of medium company, in this case, organization um, that they want to start, usually I recommend to have two subscriptions, one subscription for production and one subscription for development, and I think it's it's. Reasonable to have those under the same tenant, like like I mentioned, because one is really for your production environment that you can have it. The other one is for you to test it. So it's more like on the uh, build and burn kind of mentality or mindset uh, mm-hmm. that you can test it. The other way that I think, especially on my last uh, on my last uh, projects that I've been evolving with, is on the model what's called the tier zero model or the urban spoke kind of way to deploy or to design the subscriptions so what does that mean means that you have one subscription that basically is your standard subscription where you can land all your core services for example your azure vpns uh, your express route your uh, active directory that you are extended from on-premise to Azure, not Azure ID, in this case, the Windows Server Active Directory that you are extending to Azure, all of those that you can create. Although it's not because you have a separate subscription only for that, that you are paying more because subscriptions are free. Okay, You, you, although you need to configure this, subscription you need to configure at least one virtual network. It's not because you have different virtual networks on different subscriptions that you cannot connect to each other because even if you are on the same tenant you can connect them in this case through the peering of the virtual networks like you have on the same subscription you can have two vnets you can peer them so they are able to communicate. So usually this is the way that I see or that I start the conversation. So what do you think that is is the purpose of that?
1: So I'm I'm a big supporter of the tier zero model, uh, as as you know from us working together in the past. So I like the shared services model and uh, a, a separated management model. The reason that I enjoy that model. And I like to share that with my clients is because it increases security. It encapsulates things. It allows us to isolate and separate. It also allows us to use various subscriptions to break out our billing. So it helps with interdepartmental billing. It can help identify cost. Uh, you know, with, typically it's gonna be cost increases that we're trying to identify. and. It also helps us to uh, control the communications between. So we can add and remove peering quite easily. Uh, we can allow uh, you know remote access into a shared services environment or a management environment, and then allow very specific security group or you know role designated uh, security settings that allow us uh, to 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 route connectivity to other subscriptions. So if you have a developer, for example, coming in on Windows uh, Windows desktop, you can you know connect them to the dev test. You can define it and kind of make the magic happen in the background. So the developer logs in and it just works. And the advantage for that is for the normal end user. So all of the usual people that we're trying to support accounting, HR, customers. So we want that user experience to be optimized as much as we can. So we do all the work in the backside of it. They log in and go where they need to go. Everything's defined. We use groups to uh, manage everything and it makes it very modular and very easy.
0: Yeah, that's very good description and thank you for that. So I think we cover almost all of the topics that for now it's been a, a very entertainment and awesome conversation we can be here for hours but i don't think that our listeners will be <laughs> following us too much more <laughs> regarding this conversation only about subscription as a, as you can see this is a very very uh, broad topic we can be here with a lot of other examples but yeah uh, right now i think we cover really well what we want to cover regarding our subscriptions. So thank you, Andrew, for, for being part of these, um, Azure podcasts it is for Azure centric, uh, podcast series. And, and I hope I can see you in the future. So tell us how, to our listeners where they can find you.
1: So thank you, uh, of course, first for having me today. It's always a pleasure. And I love when we start because we always try to promise each other. It's going to be a five minute conversation. And uh, here we are. Uh, I'm I'm sure it's about 45 minutes. <laughs> so it's, it, yeah. The Time just goes so fast when we get onto these topics and I absolutely enjoy it. So you can find me at uh, all of uh, kind of our normal social media on AzureTracks.com and you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter uh, just at Azure tracks, um, always available.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Andrew. And please, if you like this, this video, don't, don't forget to subscribe and to give a thumbs up and, and follow us on, on the, on the usual social media on Facebook page, YouTube channel on, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and on Twitter. Uh, thank you once again. For, for being with us on this podcast.